Hello and welcome to episode number 13 of our podcast. My name is Elliot Greenman. I'm Alexia Neil. And this week's podcast, we spoke about innate resources. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what, and very briefly, why, <laughs> why, why do people care about innate, innate resources? resources? Well, we segregate um, and we try to bring eight innate resources uh, to try to help us meet our needs, emotional needs and physical needs, actually. So um, that's quite an interesting thing to really uh, compartmentalize a bit and so we can discuss things in a bit more precise fashion, yeah. basically. It's, uh, it feels like, in a way, that it could be quite an obvious thing, but it's not always that obvious. Um, you know, you've, I, I always felt like I, I know what resources I have and use to get my needs met, mm-hmm. but I don't think... But it's I a great framework. It's a great yeah. framework to be able to figure out which of the needs you need to meet and with using which resources. Yeah. And the cards we use are innate IN8, figure eight, uh, made by our friend Alec Alan Stanfield, Stanfield mm-hmm. who's a human givens therapist. Um, and In Trowbridge. Or Trowbridge, if you're English. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, no, it's Gloucestershire, mate. Yeah. Not, not Wiltshire, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, so as always, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Yeah, interact with us yeah. with social media, ask us questions. Mm. We like to interact with real humans. Awesome, enjoy. Perambulations in Franglais. Another great podcast um, about resources. Because mm. I think we talked a lot about all those emotional needs, really. And it's always a difficult um, difficult one, really. Run through the emotional needs again. Uh, so you have a volition. You have control. You have the ability to be responsible for your own uh, um, life and actions. Um, you've got a bit of a sense of uh, security and whether it's financial or physical mm-hmm. you've got that's the emotional needs and you've got um, a need for uh, status status indeed so how is it you fit in that uh, pyramid of competence mm, hierarchy and uh, how much intimacy you need how much privacy you need a much meaningful relationship with others you need, a much uh, part of a community you need, a much attention you need to give and receive from others, how much uh, competence you need to feel you have, and how much um, um, meaning can you extract from your environment um, that's quite an important thing. So that's, and it's of course, uh, physical needs. Of course, you need uh, a shelter, you need uh, exercise, you need uh, water, you need proper nutrition. So that's, there's, there's some basic, it's like a plant really. It needs to be watered, put in the light and have a bit of soil really for it to thrive really. And if you remove one of those three, it's not happening really. So. Yes, physical therapist need to remember that a bit. Nutrition, what hydration, exercise, 
and shelter, shelter basically. Yeah. Storm, storm Dennis outside. You don't really want to be exposed to the elements too much. And central heating is a really good stuff, really. <laughs> and and walls. That's it. And walls in that case. Um, also, we can we can. Um, Yeah, look at the emo uh, resources really, because to fulfill those needs in a, a balanced fashion, you need a set of tools, basically, mm. in order to be able to uh, meet those needs in a more balanced fashion. And these these set of tools are uh, are they are they mainly to do with the emotional needs? Yeah, yeah. They are. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, uh, I guess they might have yeah, some link to link the, to the physical needs, but it's like innate resources really things that you're kind of born born with of course you've got for you to be able to exercise you've got some innate resources which are uh, spinal reflexes and uh, learning how to walk all those kind of stuff really okay so you have to have a few resources at hand really okay if possible Cool. Well, so which one do you want to start with? Because I think we got like eight or something. Yeah, there's eight. And last yeah, yeah, time yeah. when we did this podcast and I messed up the video, yeah. we went through them in numerical order. Numerical order. So According to the in eight yeah. cards from uh, Alex Stanfield and Bindi. Yeah. Yeah, in eight. So the first one is rational thinking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What does that mean? What is it? Cogito ergos um. I think therefore I am. Um, you need access to that rational part of your brain. You need to be able to draw some um, conclusion which are fairly accurate representation of reality using your left brain, basically. So you need to be quite reasonable. Let's call it like that. But rational. So you need to be able to articulate your thoughts. You need to be able to um, critically analyze things, basically, in order to see if you're given, if you're fed bullshit or not, really. Or whether what you thought was rational and once you apply it in the world, what the result is. And we say, you know, um, Insanity is doing the same thing again and again and expecting a different outcome. Mm. Okay? That's a bit the rational mind, really. So your rational mind can step back and, and, and help you to figure out a little bit what's happening, really. Okay? And then the next one, which is probably number the two for number a reason. Two, that's, it, that's it for a good reason. Yeah. I think it's imagination. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to have access to um, different scenarios, really. You need to be a good content Tarantino about the whole lot, really. It needs to be, you need to be able to use your imagination, really. Yeah. And, and uh, solution finding is as well requiring um, a right brain, basically. And it's a bit more of a lateral way of thinking. It's a bit more um, like correlating type thing. It's quite an interesting way of actually approaching the world as well, really. Yeah. And can you talk about those two together? 
well that would make uh, somebody's brain a bit really mm. so the two together and used in a balanced fashion uh, tend to help us to fulfill our needs in a balanced fashion yeah and they they're quite like like you like you mentioned rational thinking is quite left brain mm -hmm. and imagination, imagination is, is a bit more right, right brain, right brain. Yeah. and those two used together as a tool can be quite a Uh, a powerful tool yes, that's together, it, that's it. right? It's people's uh, brains. Yeah. Or, yeah, we talk a lot about theory of mind, Tom, which is, you know, like, um, there's a, quoi, some, uh, what's his name? Alec Mac, um, McGillchrist. I can't remember, maybe. Like, it's uh, right brain, left brain, differences, and all those kind of things, really. And are maybe not so clear-cut uh, things are. So, the left brain, for example, is really the site of uh, language, mostly the site of language. And therefore, when people have got a, a stroke or a cerebrovascular accident on their left hemisphere, they lose the ability to speak. Or, or their ability to speak is impinged at different degree, okay? And men seems to recover their speech far less well than women because it seems that women seems to use quite a lot of their right brain to engage in language in a way, okay? So there is a, a, a imagination, imagination part of language which is more developed into in women than men, basically, okay? So that's differences like that between mm. right brain and left brain and we categorize the two in broad terms when actually it's not really that much the case. Really. There's loads of study with uh, people with, who have had for medical reason at one stage we were and maybe still do I'm not even too sure we uh, cut the corpus callosum which is that that um, band of nerve that links the two hemispheres which is in the middle okay and therefore the two hemispheres can talk to each other okay and the change in people's personality and the way they interact with the world when that part of the brain is cut is helping us to differentiate the right and the left in a way, okay? And, and when one looks at it only and the two look at it together and the slight differences they are, okay? And it's, it's really interesting neuroscience type stuff and psychiatry type uh, thing to treat people with epilepsy or things like that, really, okay? So it's still subject to lots of research. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's amazing, really. Relatively young way of looking at it. That's it, that's it, that's it. Looking, looking at, at it, it. Yeah, yeah. And can you talk about these two, rational thinking and imagination, with regards to, and I guess this is actually applicable to all of the innate resources, mm -hmm. but um, with regards to card texture. Mm -hmm. so, so if you fall into too much of rational thinking or too much of imagination your per, your perception of reality gets uh, warped mm. and because it, it lacks if, if you think about these two working in as mm -hmm. like a seesaw in, or in tandem mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it lacks the complementary that's know, it that's it that's it um The complementary resource. In the a way. main uh, thing as well is the observing self. That uh, in a, in the case is number eight mm. in a, in our um, so card here. The, the observing self is quite an important thing because you you're not a horse 
Oh, you're not a cow, you're not a monkey, you're not a dolphin, you're a human, and you're a quite special human. Um, the last 40,000 years, roughly, we're not too sure exactly, we became conscious of being conscious. So we're able to actually step out of ourselves in our mind and observe ourselves being conscious. And that's really a resource that helps us to look at whether our imagination or our rational thinking is taking over a bit too much, really, in a way. So we're able to um, look out and we need to be able to look in as well with our observing self, really. And with so car texture, you you become too focused on, it's contextually maybe, blind, yeah, so you become or, too focused on yeah, one thing. On one thing or too externally or internally focused in a way, really. And then that doesn't that can limit your access to rational thinking and imagination or or above that observing mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. So you might not be able to observe yourself that you are contextually locked in on one thing. Yeah. And then and that thing that you're locked in on, you that's might it, you it. might be too rational, rational too left left yeah. brain or, or too, too imaginative into your right brain. Yeah. Let let's it's really like we need to be apologized for having a bit of a very crude and simplistic way of describing it. Mm. But it's an interesting way of yeah. d- doing it because it's, yeah. compli- it's more than complicated. It's, it's more than complex. It's actually complicated, which actually adds more. Yeah. On top of it. That's it, that's it, that's it. Uh, a horse is, is complex, but it's not complicated. Okay, because he's not able to be conscious of being conscious. And we've got that extra thing which add another thing. Because you're conscious, you're conscious of being conscious, and you're both at the same time. So when you add that extra layer, you add actually two things. Mm. Which makes it interesting. Complicated. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Okay, so rational thinking one, imagination two, mm-hmm. and number three is memory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, for us to not be too insane and repeating the same thing again and again and trying to achieve a different outcome, we need to be able to tap into our memory, basically. And it can trick us a bit. So, oh, I was doing that when I was 15 and now I'm 45 and I... And the outcome is a bit different to when I was 15, and <laughs> but I still do it. So we we not we are not using our memory in the right fashion at times, or we use it to try to do it in the right fashion. Mm. So, yeah, that's quite an important uh, part of it, really. How can people like how I'm I'm guessing with these innate resources, they're kind of. Um there's an assumption that we have a almost like a control over them or access to them a, mm-hmm. uh, a conscious action access, access to your memories yeah yeah of course yeah. Yeah. so well, it's long term memories can, and short term memories so the, here we talk about having access to long term memories mostly yeah. okay and is it is it trying to make your memory better or is it no the memory can't be changed yeah but there's only one part of the whole lot, really. The main thing with memories is, and a bit of all of that is, and a need, the main thing is emotion. The main thing is you've associated an emotional state to your memory, which actually warps your view of things at times. So you chase how it felt. 
So it's part of the addictive addiction type thing a bit. Mm. You are not so much addicted to the substance as you are addicted to the expectation of how it's going to make you feel. Of the emotion. And that's really quite an interesting way of the world. Lot. You've, you pattern match. So that's another of the needs. <laughs> <laughs> or the resources, sorry, but the activating agent, the need you try to fulfill in a balanced fashion is pattern matched, is linked to an emotion. Okay? And, and then you've got a thought. So depending on the memory you have of how you um, were able to fulfill that need and how it made you feel, the next time you feel like that, you maybe think that the, emotion, the emotional need is uh, met. But maybe it's not because the world is changing. Okay? And where, that's where we go into trauma and all mm. those kind of stuff really when you're a bit traumatized you have actually completely linked it's not very a flexible pattern matching ability basically the, you've, you've branded or um, alchemically linked the whole two elements together and they make one in a way but it actually prevents you from definitely meeting the need again really okay mm. And your thoughts start to get a bit irrational and or too rational, whatever. And and irrational could is just imagination going going a, a bit, bit wild, maybe. a bit wild. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And I liked that you said brought up another one of the the next one pattern matching because they all yeah. link in like a quite like a um a sp- almost like a special way. Like they're not. That's it. That's they're it. Not, they're not like all the innate resources. They're not the same. If that makes sense. Yeah, like they're, they're not, not the same, but they need to be part of the same. Yeah, as in <laughs> or, as in, as in what I mean by them not being the same. Obviously, they're different resources, but yeah. the way you, it's like them as a it's a loop as a, as a type. It's a loop. It's a loop. Yeah. It's, it's a it's loop. Yeah. So it's why it's in a it's in a circle. circular mm. fashion, really. So yeah. if if you're you don't have access to uh, you don't have very easy access to your rational mind, the loop uh, gets into one certain direction. Mm. If uh, your pattern matching has been a bit uh, branded and a bit uh, damaged, uh, not damaged, but um, uh, Highlighted a bit too much in that trauma part of things, it's difficult to the loop is going into a bit of a strange spin in a way. Okay, no, that's it really. Because yeah, so mm. so the, the, that's kind of the pattern match, isn't it? That you alluding to again there, which is like mm. you make a pattern match, and and pattern matches can be as, as well. Appet model. So the activating agent, the pattern matching, mm. the emotion or sensation, we like to call it, because mm. uh, we are physical therapists, and the thought, mm. basically. Okay. So that's in, in the way we look at the whole thing and the human given the approach uh, to mental health and clear thinking is doing Joe Griffin and, and, um, Evan Tyrell, the way they look at it and how they coined it. Um, we first of all try to meet a need and we pattern match it to an emotion 
and then we have a thought about it. And a, a pattern match, is it, are they all negative? No, 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 no. They are very positive. Mm. You can be rewarded for uh, uh, doing music and how you make you feel. And therefore, the behavior is uh, is perfect, really. So when you when you feel like that, you pattern match it with the need you made of something greater than you, or the fact that you remember that you were playing music in a band and you associate it with uh, others, really. That's what that's what brings us to rapport a bit. That that need as well. We our brain is made of others as well as us and that's a bit the peculiar stuff it's becoming bonkers really we we need to be able to content with other people mm. and and it's so such an interesting thing we need to be able to interact with each other and and try to have access to our different mode of reality and a conversation need to be Uh, least emotionally loaded as possible in order for you to be a bit truthful and not hide behind different things and all the rest and not too resistant and you need to be able to listen to the other person in front of you because their mode of reality might be different than yours in a way okay and the way the resource we should maybe all develop is rapport and nowadays well we know where that's going really people are less and less able to build rapport because um, they have an intermediate which is a numerical type thing really okay like phones and computers, all those kind of stuff, really. And social media. And social media, whatever, that's another application of it, really. Uh, we, I need, so the rapport is really that, um, that's when we maybe need to talk about polyvagal theory a little bit, Dr. Porges and his um, um, big access to the autonomic nervous system and the vagal nerve especially and the fact that you experience in your stomach in your subdiaphragmatic environment sensations that are um, activated by uh, how people in front of you uh, deal with their upper, uh, cranial nerve muscle activation So people shoulder position, people tone of voice, people facial expression, people's eye thing, eye contact or browse, all those kind of things, the facial nerve, all the oculomotor, all, all the glossopharyngeal, all the uh, accessory nerve are, your activation of that is giving me feedback on how it feels to interact with you. So I need to be able to build rapport and a lot of IBS uh, symptom and thing is people maybe uh, not quite knowing uh, what the feeling they have in their stomach is to do with. And so they look into diet or other things when actually, and, it, and it's possible because actually diet is going to influence that and sensitize your gut, no doubt. But a lot of, a lot of it and how it's developed is to for you to be able to build rapport with people. Hmm. Okay, well, and then the cardiopulmonary spa, uh, part, which is the freeze part of the oh. autonomic nervous system, which is, a, which is a bit different, right? Flight, Because fright, and freeze. Yeah, most people don't just freeze when they meet someone new. Hopefully, because Hopefully. if they were, they would. So that's a bit trauma linked, mm. a little yeah. bit. You would think there's you've pattern matched the the sensation 
or the need with the sensation and it's really about danger. It's, you feel there is a threat to your life. So if it's by meeting friends in the street, there's definitely a trauma behind that and you need to mm. plug that out a little mm. bit. Really. Your response is too, too, too strong, really. And I know you've already said this, really, but I, I wanted to put it in my words and hear my voice uh-huh, talking. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, it's uh, the social media side of things. I find it really interesting because obviously I'm quite I'm very pro it in lots of ways mm-hmm, of share course. of information mm-hmm. and knowledge great that's it but I find it incredibly interesting where people are like oh you know it's not the same as talking to someone face to face and or like even sending a text is stripped from context that's it and that context mm-hmm. regardless of how well written that text is mm-hmm. is what you were saying with the the eyes the shoulder position mm-hmm. the neck mm-hmm. position mm-hmm. The, the the voice that the helps you to get context human, with that yeah. uh, interaction and when you build a rapport with someone someone could say the exact same words that they said to you on text yeah. in person and it could be taken in a completely different way because the sensation and the emotion you're going to have in light of that is going to be different because your brain is able to have access to different cues basically yeah. yeah and if they have access which to contextualizes it indeed yeah and if they have access to different cues, then it means that their body's response with regards to, to the vagus nerve mm-hmm. is, 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 could be very different. We're the only primates to have that myelinated branch of the vagus nerve. What, the, the two? Is that, is that what so that there's means? So there's two branches. There's an old branch, which is really unmyelinated, who gets access mostly to the cardiopulmonary system. And a myelinated one, who's really fast uh, propagating signal, is uh, supplying your gut. Mm-hmm. And we are the only primate to have that. So there's an evolutionary part of it, really. So as well as as well as developing a sense of being conscious of being conscious. We've actually developed a feedback mechanism for social interaction mm. in order to give us more, more precise feedback about whether the person in front of you is a conducive person to have a social interaction with. Rather than just on-off. On-off. So, so monkeys, it. for example, that's it. hate a static monkey yeah, or a it. dead monkey dead monkey yes that's it but they go they go crazy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. whereas we can if we saw a dead human yeah or just a human mm-hmm, being mm-hmm. still a dummy human mm-hmm. we have access to a different way of acting around that than that's going it. crazy that's it but sometimes maybe you have to act crazy because obviously if there's too many uh, dead bodies piling around in the place you're in maybe it's not the right place to be in yeah okay mm-hmm Maybe there's a sniper around. Mm. Oh. Definite danger. Danger. Or high chance of. That's it. Kali. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. Yeah, so that's, then, that's kind of rapport. That's it, that's it, that's it. We are made of. Our mind is made of others. That's really quite an interesting thing. You are yourself, but it's as well made of others. Mm. So your sanity depends on others. You need to be able to build rapport. A lot of mental health problem is to do with rapport. How does that link in? There's a, there's a number of people that I follow who say, been banging on for the last couple of years about how you become a, like a, let's say, average of the five people you spend most time with. 
Yeah, something like that, yeah. yeah. Your parents, your siblings, your wife, your and your best friends. Mm. Of course, of course. How original are your thoughts? So original. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. It, it could be. Yeah. Or it could not be. Yeah. Your, the, the conditioning, the culture we're in, all those kind of things, really. The whole lot, really. So, you know, that's... Anyway, we plenty of examples. Yeah. It's another... We can have another podcast about rapport and talk about sure. it for an hour or more. Yeah, I think we could have a podcast about all the innate resources, probably, individually. That's it. <laughs> um, the next one, one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, Dreaming. Dreaming. Oh my God, dreaming. We could it, definitely have a podcast about dreaming. Dreaming would be quite an interesting one because there's so much... There's been so much bias from trying to analyze dream and and all the different Freudian way of looking at it and things like that. And um, so there was that guy, which is a contemporary of Freud, who had a bit of a different view of what a dream is on about, but he was put on the index a little bit in the psychoanalytical society because Freud realized that maybe he was wrong or whatever he gone about, and then he casted him aside, but there was maybe a prelude to the expectation fulfillment theory of dream, which uh, uh, Joe Griffin has really coined yeah. uh, properly. Um, or following a bit the whole thing is the same pattern matching type ability away really. And basically, in a nutshell, expectation when unfulfilled are um, seen by your brain as a threat so it loads your autonomic nervous system it loads your adrenaline pumping system okay which actually puts you in that flat and fright or freeze or ever okay and you try to maybe act in a world around you in order to try to change that and to try to uh, um uh, look at how it feels and how the activating agent is pattern match with it and you try to fulfill it and you try to loop the whole expectation and fulfill it in the world but if you can't do that you have ac you have access to your dream state in order to uh, clean and unload your autonomic nervous system every night okay and you start on a, a clean slate again so, yeah, that's an interesting thing. It's like a, a, a cleaning mechanism, part of the sleep. So we've got, a, the, a, again, it's a very simplistic way of looking at it. Sleep is really quite a complicated thing. There's so many phases and things. But there's mm -hmm. a, if we were summarizing, there's a, a, a part of the sleep, which is a, we call, can call it slow wave sleep, which deals with your body. It's going to clean all the metabolic waste. It's going to repair tears in muscle, all those kind of stuff. You need... That's and, and what people call deep sleep, right? Well, I'm not too sure. Oh, no, because it's deep and light sleep. Sorry. That's it, that's it, that's it. Deep and light sleep. It depends a bit, okay? Yeah. So, but that's slow wave sleep, mm -hmm. okay? So, it's it's a maintenance, a, a physical maintenance type thing. It re-energizes you, okay? It helps the ATP, it helps all the whole lot. You need to be re-energized, okay? And then you're going to have that, and that's mostly at the start of the night, 
okay? And it gets less as the night progresses towards the early morning, okay? Compared to the um, REM part of your dreaming sleep, it's going to be very little at the start of the night and more at the end of the night. Let's not talk about the evolutionary advantage of that and maybe the tribal part and, and predators, but... Um, it happens like that and that helps you to actually unload your autonomic nervous system the stress the adrenergic stress you've had from the previous day can be dissipated okay but it requires quite a lot of energy mm. okay so it's and um actually it's motivational energy it requires mm. okay so it's dopamine uh, laden a bit. You, you deplete a little bit your store of dopamine at the end of the night. Okay. So if you do an, if you have an awful lot of unmet expectation, you're gonna need an awful lot of dreaming, and therefore when you get up in the morning, you're not super motivated. Okay. Oh, that resonates with a couple of people potentially out there. So maybe teenagers would be ones who get up, maybe not so much in the morning to the distress of their patient, of their parents, because at 12 o'clock teenagers are still sleeping. But when they get up, they can't be asked, basically. Okay. They've had so much REM. They are trying to start to fulfill their needs using resources that they are not very good at doing. And therefore, at night, they have to uh, dream it in order to be able to um, keep the slate open but it really or clean and it but it's really quite tiring for them mm. and not be in a constant state of anxiety about about that's it, right? it about the whole thing yeah. okay and again um linking this to maybe some of the conversations that are already out there about sleep mm-hmm. and tiredness mm-hmm. i think it was dr chatterjee mm-hmm. who was saying are you tired or are you just not doing something that you really want to do or is really meaningful to you? Uh-huh. And he didn't say the word motivation, uh-huh. but it's like it's mo- it's motivation because that's it, that's it. even if if you if you can't be asked to do anything and you wake mm-hmm. up in the morning and you're tired, yeah, it could be t- actual tiredness, uh-huh. and it probably is slightly that maybe, uh-huh. but it could also be lack of motivation. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But the moment that someone comes along. Uh-huh. And it's like, here's your favorite pop star who's just come into your room, mm-hmm. or you know, that's you've just won a million pounds. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, stuff changes mm-hmm. because you've got loads of motivation mm-hmm. because something exciting's happened. Mm-hmm. And but when you're 18 or or you know or any age, mm-hmm. and you have a load of unfulfilled expectations, and you're dreaming loads, mm-hmm. which a lot of people, especially who are in pain mm-hmm. or have mental health issues, mm-hmm. will find that they're dreaming quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Then, generally, when they're waking up in the morning, they're probably not that motivated to go to a job that they're not too mm-hmm. keen on, mm-hmm. or to have another day contending with stuff that. That's it. That's not, it. A colleague at work who's yeah. bullying you, or those kind of stuff, is not going to be gone. But you need a plan. That's the main thing, really. So, is that the I guess tangible part of dreaming like as in mm-hmm. is it that you need to li- not necessarily focus on the content of your dreaming mm-hmm. but the fact that you're dreaming quite a lot uh-huh. might elude you to some things that you need to make a plan for that's it that's it that's it but there is a metaphorical representation of the need 
that so let's say you are your competence is your sense of how much competence you should be um, allocated to at work is undermined by uh, your manager for example every monday morning and after uh, uh, at night on a monday night you're dreaming about Uh, doing the best sushi or uh, uh, going and do carving or I don't know like things because you've done you've, you, your brain knows about how competent you are at the end of the day okay because that's where we talk about ego and self a little bit really and the whole Freudian uh, concept of self so self is who you are mm. and uh, ego is who you think you are and the discrepancy between the two So, if your boss is implying that you're not very competent, is actually in changing a bit your ego. Okay, the dial. Mm -hmm. So it drops how much competence you have. Com it drops how much competence you think you have because it arouses you in front of others, or arouses you full stop. Mm -hmm. but arouses you even more because it's in front of others mm -hmm. and the emotion of guilt or shame or whatever associated with it is actually dropping how much uh, competence you have compared to how much competence you really have and that gap between the two is what stresses you and that's what the dream is trying to actually diminish every day okay And yes, of course, uh, in the REM state as well, you have to rehearse a lot of the um, templates for survival. You have like reflexes and different things. Your, your genetic integrity has to be kind of managed and it's managed during the REM as well. So that's another thing really. But the metaphorical representation of the need you think has not been fulfilled is helping is being helped during the dream state in order to clean the slate so you're not emotionally aroused too much when you get up in the morning it's quite an interesting thing because it's that's, that's definitely what links the, the, the body and the mind that sleep part part of what links the body and the mind uh, yeah, or, yeah or the body and the mind or the mind and the body to that or the 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 body or the the mind or whatever exactly however we want to put it really but the, the sleep is really kind of linking those two so if you're a bit you have been depressed for a while or or yeah and your perception of reality is a bit warped and you don't maybe put in place resources because you don't have a plan type thing too much of how to go about doing it or the plan you have is actually preventing that from happening and you're not really changing your plan you <coughs> you tend to have quite a lot of REM so you don't uh, repair your body too much and after a while you end up having physical symptoms Mm -hmm. or anyway so that's we start to have a bit of an explanation of uh, and if if we talk about people's experience of how they feel about certain needs not being met all of a sudden we get a bit of an idea about what's happening in their lives in a way and whether they can actually change a plan 
it's limitation in at the end really so we we love uh, uh, um, Mr. Peterson uh, and his lobsters for uh, and his exp his kind of evolutionary explanation about dopamine and serotonin and endorphin because it's really a bit what it's on about really you you need to be orientated in the world um, when you're uh, and that's really quite an interesting way of looking at it really because that gives us a bit of uh, um, or it gives me at least a really good sense that they are limitations are great that's another thing we need to be limited in a way and but um, so you have to have a plan you have to be able to orientate yourself you need to be able to go from A to B and that's dopamine really and it happens when triploblastic starts compared to diploblastic so um Daploblastic will be sponges and um, uh, jellyfish and corals. Type thing. Echnidaires are quite good daploblastics. They got only two embryological layers. The, the world brings food to you or you're taken by the world to the food. By the current. So the jellyfish, it doesn't... Well, it moves a bit, but it's mostly the current who takes him. Okay? And the coral sits there and waits for the current to bring the food. Okay? It doesn't need to be orientated. Okay? But once you add muscles to evolutionary sense, you start to have a front and a back. And therefore, you need to go from A to B. And that's dopamine. Okay? The, drive, the drive that brings you from A to B is dopamine. And that's a while back. I think it's 600 million or 700 million years old, really. Okay? So almost a billion years ago. That, that, that circuitry is in, uh, that circuitry part of our brain is, has been around in the, the, the template and the pattern matching to that has been there for a billion years. Let's say 800. People are going to comment about the stuff and say it's uh, 763 million years, but who cares? Okay, so a while back. Okay? It was a long time. Either. Long time ago, okay? And then all of a sudden, when it's like that, you have to contend with others. And you need to become gregarious. So arthropods would be quite a good example. And Mr. Peterson talks about lobsters and may mostly about serotonin. Okay. So the circuitry we have of uh, um, getting in that competence hierarchy is... Uh, getting is in a competence hierarchy. Yeah, yeah. Or one of many... Or, no, getting in all the competence hierarchies. But a, a couple, a, a, a couple, a self, okay, 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 my language, needs to be contended using serotonin, okay? The more serotonin you have, the more you feel competent into that set of, into that set of competence pyramid or hierarchies, whatever, okay? And that's uh, arthropods, so that's 400 million year old, really. So it's before the dinosaurs, well before the dinosaurs, okay? And lastly, but not least, once you have a plan and you put your tools in the right fashion and your resources in the right fashion, in the right order to fulfill certain needs, you need to be rewarded. And that's endorphins. And that's quite a recent thing. It's only 70 million years. It's like the rise of the mammals. 
pot potentially. Okay? So, end of the dinosaur, 66 million years ago. Okay? KT boundary type thing, but a bit before the mammals are there, very small creatures, but they've got endorphins to reward them. So, um, the behavior you display and trying to fulfill your need and using certain of your resources is actually uh, incentivizing you by giving you a reward. Okay? And it's endorphin, so it's produced by your brain, which actually helps you to deal with pain. That's the side effect of the reward, in a way. Okay, because when you put your uh, tools in order, in order to achieve something, you might actually hurt yourself. You might actually burn a few feathers or hairs and break a few bones and all those kind of stuff. So you need endorphin, and mm -hmm. that's really really that whole contention with limitation there is really so and that's what we're trying to uh, um, we try to extract all the different things the dopamine is interesting if you got a plan you need to be able to fulfill a need in a balanced fashion that's quite a good plan but there's a set of needs that need to be fulfilled in a balanced fashion Yes, there's more than one need. That's the problem, really. There's 10 or whatever, Maslow, whatever, whoever. The model we use is 10 or 9. Okay? And they are a few tools. And the tools are the resources we have. Mm. Yes, of course, you can use your knife and you can carve things or you can drill or you can do your eyelashes. It's tools, really, okay? You can cook or make fire. Mm. Matches are good tools and pen knives are the same. But These are a different type of tools. Exactly. That's em emotional tools a little, which are linked to your physical health as well. Mm. And those physical tools that fulfill physical things maybe like cooking are also linked to your mm -hmm. emotional health mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so even i don't know if you did bring it mm -hmm. bring it back around to the example within dreaming of uh being a sushi chef mm -hmm, yeah but where you were talking about your your actual competence yeah. compared to where your boss is challenging your competence, competence exactly. and how that affects well, your how much you think your view that's, your it, view. that's it so your, yeah. your your boss challenges your competence yeah and that can that can chat that that can, can move your view, view of your of competence, competence below or up or up uh, yeah because, oh yeah because yeah your 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 boss can praise you for something you think you should not be praised about or or your boss can maybe rightly uh question your competence uh -huh. and you 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 go the other way and you're like i am really really comp competent of course, of course, of course. rather than having maybe a, a observing self yeah. view on it that's it and but you so have an emotion that, you have an dream, emotion from it you have an in, emotion yeah from it. yeah but in that dream mm -hmm. you're not dreaming about next maybe your job as a web developer yeah yeah you're, dream, you're dreaming about being a sushi chef yeah yeah and being competent at that that's it and that dream is fulfilling your emotional need for that's competence it. that's it and the level of resets what you actually it. are resets it yeah resets yeah, it. yeah because the discrepancy between how much you think you fulfill the need compared to how much the need is failed is what stresses you and it's what produces all the interesting adrenal hormones so your adrenal gland is going to produce cortisol especially there's DHEA there's so many more noradrenaline all the rest and things okay and that's gonna affect your way of dealing with inflammation clotting and immune system 
really it's really super it's all start to be all linked so that's why it's great to be able to pluck it out a little bit and 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 segregate it with the framework really we love the framework because it's a framework it helps us to articulate our thoughts and our view of reality a little bit better really and mm. it helps us really because so, imagination there's plenty that does you don't have to do it like anybody else you, you do it like you want to do it you've got plenty of control and volition and it's not a problem we're, so there's no set way of doing it we were talking before this podcast about group labels mm-hmm. and um, there's a guy uh, entrepreneur Gary Vaynerchuk who I, who I really really like and he was saying he was talking about how um, he was essentially talking about the individual and talking about how you, you don't need to find a niche within he was talking about in, in business sense you don't need to find a niche because you are already a niche you just need to figure out what you actually want to do what you're good at and you know there's a big marriage of different things going on like you're you're an osteopath you're also like stargazing take photos doing other things blah 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 Be and that, that, that makes Alexi an L Mm-hmm. And I have my things that I do, mm-hmm. and that makes Elliot Greenman. Mm-hmm. But and, it's not about and, only and what you do, it's how you feel about what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but which is quite important because that's what sometimes, uh, yeah, yeah, anyway. But it's, with it's stuff really like imagination or any of these innate resources, mm-hmm. it's not about them telling you how to use them. It's about you learning how to use them and using them in your own individual, your very unique. Elliot Greenman, Alexi NL way. Mm-hmm. I don't use my imagination in the same way as you do. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Thank God. And for you. And or for you. <laughs> and for me. <laughs> and that's that's the that's why the framework is so unbelievable. Like it's so so genius. Mm-hmm. So great. Um, well, it th- can be applied in many many ways. But remember, it's apet, a p e t. You pattern match the need with an emotion. Mm. That's the thing. That's really a key. You pattern match a need yeah. with a emotion. emotion. Yeah. A-P-E-T or E-S-T for yeah. us. Sensation. Sensation. Um, and seven is emotion. Be- I guess we kind of really merged yep. six, seven, and then eight, and then all of them basically. But mm-hmm. is there anything you wanted to say? individually or specifically about um, the innate resource of emotion no well that's what we talked about a bit it's that um, is to try to find a bit of a list of all the emotions you have in certain circumstances so you need to uh, try to uh, remember your memory how or observe observing self how it made you feel what the thing of doing stargazing makes me feel or how um, dealing with a difficult patient who's um, really angry is making me feel all the rest like that I think it's quite is that that thing really what what, uh, when we evoke going to work how it makes you feel 
because the problem is going to work is fulfilling a need for financial security, a need for... Uh, so when you take the subset of the whole lot, it's not so much about going to work. It's uh, talking to your boss, having a raise or talking to your colleague about how much they earn and how much uh, you earn and <laughs> all things. So it's about your financial security and how does it feel to actually talk about that? Because that's really quite important. Because you get a bit mixed up about the emotional need and the emotion a little bit at times. So you need to clarify the whole thing and you need to, whether it's uh, being shy or guilty or shame or feeling superior or uh, in awe or attracted to somebody. Or, and that's, and that's the, the emotion. That's that the, the emotion. emotion. Yeah. And that could be linked to essentially any emotional need, right? Mm-hmm. So you could be in awe about I don't know, your competence. Your competence, that's it, that's it, yeah. that's it. And then, but you could also be sad about your competence. Yeah, that's it, But that's then it. you could be in awe about intimacy. Yeah, that's it, that's it. But you could also be sad about that's it, that's it, that's your it, that's lack, it. maybe, exactly. of intimacy. And you might have had many emotions with that one need associated with yeah. it, really. Yeah. But it's the behavior that it leads to that might not be conducive for you to be able to fulfill it again, really. Oh, I used to be really sad about my uh, intimacy. And then uh, when you're with somebody else, you were expecting it to be sad and therefore it's not. And then you think, oh, maybe it's not the same. And a whole lot, so you get a bit confused. About <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, quite an interesting, interesting. It's, it's an interesting way to work through the problem, but it doesn't mean it's straightforward, right? It doesn't need that it's straightforward. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we're complicated. But... On top of being complex. On top of being complex, yeah. But we, it would be interested, interesting to de-arouse ourselves. Because now there's a level of arousal which is quite an important part of it, really. We need to um, pluck ourselves from the focused, of, the focused attention we have on the subject. Because if you think about um, privacy too much, well, there's other trees who need to be attended in the forest, really. So it locks your attention on the one thing. Uh, the heroin addict is not so much addicted to heroin, but he's addicted to how it feels. And how it feels, it fulfills one of his needs. And he headbutts his grandma for five quid, really. And he doesn't really realize, really, because he's so fixed on the whole lot. He is not able to observe himself on the whole lot, really. He is completely drawn into the addiction, the internal negative focus of attention, basically. And you've got external focus of attention, and you've got uh, which are positive or negative, and you've got external, internal and external focus of attention, which are negative or positive. And that's, yeah, quite, quite peculiar, really. So running is a great way to get your headspace. So that can be a great external um, need, of uh, uh, an external uh, focus of attention, because you uh, see all the birds and the plants and the whole lot. And it is a bit as well about an internal 
positive internal uh, focus of attention but when you have to uh, have too much privacy and you're running uh, 25 hours every week on top of running a job and the whole lot and thing you have to sacrifice quite a lot of the rest of your interaction with others and that becomes that you turned it into a positive internal uh, need, uh, focus of attention to a negative internal um, focus of attention, which becomes quite negative, basically, and it's a bit addictive. That positive basically. action yeah. went through a feedback loop yeah. that ended up it being yeah. turning a little bit negative. Negative. Because is that the detriment for some other emotional For needs? other emotional thing, and the fact that you're fixed on the whole lot, really, so you can't really take yourself out of it, really. Mm. You get up in the morning, and there's only one thing you think is about going running, really. And now it makes you feel but running is not maybe helping you to do other stuff really you can't really work and run really or you can it can help you to make to be less aroused by actually going running but if you have to run (laughs) to be able to function it's a bit tricky you need to be able to do other stuff really that's when you, when you go when when the LP gets a bit scratched really and you got only one groove in your LP uh, bit gets yeah boring yeah, gets boring quick yeah, quick exactly no well done thank you Elliot for thank you Alexi yeah, I like those cards they really yeah. help us to visualize the stuff the graphics are really good yeah well done uh, Alec on, for on his daughter was it his daughter his who da- did that yeah yeah, cool. his daughter illustrated them. Superb. And I, I said to him I was going to buy some yeah. when I was last when I yeah. last had a session with him. Yeah. And um, he's got some videos as well that explain how to use them. Ah, yeah, good. So ah, I yeah, yeah, he mentioned because I think I'm going to get the whole lot with the work he does um, uh, for coaching. I think he loves that, and it's great because it you can you don't have to you, you can almost visualize a whole lot really and. You can have your uh, needs in the middle and or, or your needs around and then your resources in the middle and you can really set it and you yeah. can really see the whole lot. And as with, it is. with the amazing illustrations and yeah, then yeah. with the actual, the actual touching them, I can't remember what, what they call that, but yeah, the actual kinesthetic, connect, yeah, yeah, the, the kinesthetic, kinesthetic side yeah. of it, touching them and moving them around yeah, and yeah. linking them together. It's, yeah, it's quite a powerful tool, I think. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Yeah. Because it's difficult to, well, once you got it in your head, I think it's a bit easier already. But to start with, when you're not familiar with the, with the concept and thing, I think it's really wow. It's cool. Yeah, I think it takes quite a while to be familiar with the concept, though, because mm-hmm. we've been talking about this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And these innate resources, although we haven't sat down and spoken about them like we have, yeah, yeah. obviously we did this podcast before, but mm-hmm. like now, mm-hmm. it it's taken me quite a while to become familiar with them and yeah, even yeah. now it's still something that I it's not second nature oh, no 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 it's not so very it does, easy I think it to takes repeat, quite a while it's that Hebian conditioning a bit you need to repeat the whole lot you need to and uh, obviously there are certain resources you're not very good with really 
and it's because maybe you don't so that's the brilliant part of it really if you look at rational man and oh yeah it's fine and saying like uh, I do a bit I will sing there's like uh, seven out of the eight needs I'm maybe relatively good with but maybe the emotions are not something I'm very good with really therefore I'm not in I'm not, I don't know about them very well until you know a bit more about the whole lot and you're able to go into your observing self and be like okay that's what's on the bar that's how it makes me feel really and ah the feeling is the emotion ah and uh, that's the whole polyvagal thing a bit like how it feels in your gut really mm. that's that's a sensation but it's basically linked to an emotion really and and that's what's been pattern matched to one of the activating agent which is one of the need or several of the needs that need to be fulfilled and that's pretty genius and that's completely neurophysiological that's that's, that's the way the brain the, the sequence of the brain going A-P-E-T that's where like a behavior, cognitive uh, advice and those kind of things and cognitive thing is interesting but it's just a thought unless you've salted the activating agent the pattern matching the emotion or sensation the thought yeah it's interesting really but it's not really thing okay it's going to be it's going to be a cognitive it's going to be a cognitive or it's going to be a conscious intervention every time you have to try and control that thought but that's it but often by the time that thought is there you're probably too contextually focused Focused on on whatever it is whatever Mm -hmm. that you aren't able to actually have access to observing self rational mind imagine whatever to control that thought that's it and so it's it's almost like a it's a it's a better it's going deeper down the path that's it behind the thought behind the emotion using the emotion and going behind with the pattern match that's it so that you don't even end up having that thought or when you have it you you know that it's not really relevant at uh, in a way your because there's a behavioral part of it as well really yeah okay so the CBT part of it is interesting but, but it's even more powerful the CBT intervention is so much more powerful when you know about the activating agent and how you pattern match it to your emotion really and that becomes super interesting really and then the thought once you've unplugged the whole thing and you see the loop happening again and again there must be a reason why it happens again and again so maybe you need a bit of psychoanalytical kind of work to unplug your mode of reality whether it's others who are the problem or whether it's you who is the problem <laughs> and maybe that's uh, because of that you're not able to uh, find the whole thing really and the whole solution and it happens again really and you get you go back into that rabbit hole again and again because your view of the whole uh, reality is warped but before that you need to de-arouse yourself and be, to de-arouse yourself you need to know which uh, uh, emotion has been linked with uh, which activating agent which isn't always straightforward and that's why it's great to have somebody else to help you to do the whole lot but you have your observing self. So learning how to de-arouse yourself and learning all the techniques we're going to talk about about pain, especially in our course, we're going to help people to de-arouse themselves. And the least aroused you are, the more you have access to your observing self. And the more you can have an idea 
actually working. But it's about arousal, it's about stress, it's about that focus of attention. It's about, that's what pain is on about, pain. So pain is an, is an internal negative focus of attention. But we could maybe argue that it's actually an internal positive focus of attention. If you understand what pain is, and we're gonna maybe give people an, a possibility to make pain a positive internal focus of attention. And that's quite a positive thing, in my opinion. Mm. To be continued. To be continued. Yeah. The journey, the, the adventure. The call to adventure. Yeah. Should we leave it there? Yeah. Thank you, Elliot. Thank for you, Alexi. This morning.